Hello, Millennium listeners. Welcome back to another episode of the Millennium Live podcast. I'm your host, Connor Tuohy, and I have a great, great episode to share with you today. As we approach 250 episodes of the podcast that was started back in 2018 as a platform to get our partners, our solution providers, and our awesome members and thought leaders a chance to tell their story and explain all the great work that's going on in the industry and at their organization. And the fun just continues on because we have another awesome episode uh, today. Uh, a great company uh, called ZS, which is a management consulting and technology firm that's focused on transforming global healthcare. And they're leveraging leading edge analytics plus the power of data, science, and products, and really helping health plans make more intelligent decisions, drive growth, and improve outcomes for all. They were founded in 1983, so ZS just celebrated their 40th anniversary. So it's a great time to have an awesome discussion about healthcare industry and all the really awesome innovations that's going on within healthcare, uh, specifically around AI. Seems like everybody's talking about it these days. And this uh, this episode, no matter if you're listening to cybersecurity, our marketing podcast, uh, healthcare just seems to be um, focusing in on AI with everybody else. So I can't wait to chat about that today. And I have a, a few great guests. I like doing the multiple guest episodes because it's almost like a nice panel style and we're all going to be kind of riffing off each other. So I'm really happy to introduce our guests today. First off, we have Adam Siskind. He is the managing principal of ZS's health plan and provider practice area and previously led ZS's European and North American West regions. He's worked in healthcare for more than 20 years and over 20 years at ZS and has extensive experience in most strategic and tactical issues across health plans and providers, pharmaceutical, biotech, and medtech companies, you name it. Adam is here to talk about it. Adam, thank you so much for joining Millennium Live. Yeah, thanks, Connor. Happy to be here. Um, and happy to be with you. So likewise. And uh, secondly, we have Anoop Tripathi. He is the leader of the health plan and provider practice areas data and technology function, focusing on patient data analytics, enterprise strategy, machine learning operations, and developing cloud and big data solutions. Anoop, thank you for joining the Millennium Live podcast. Thanks for having me, Connor. Looking forward to the exciting conversation and it's uh it's really great to have you and your experience on the show. And of course, last but not least, we have Vinod Swarna. He is a former chief analytics officer at Amera Health Caritas. Vinod has decades of experience building data and analytic strategies and AI and ML applications for health plans to deliver valuable business intelligence. Vinod, it is a pleasure to have you and welcome you to Millennium Live. Likewise, Connor. Very excited about the conversation here, and thanks for hosting. Of course. So, yes, great to have all three of you, and we're going to dive right into it because I definitely want to talk about AI and specifically in the pair space about who's integrating AI, what the transformation 
and and how pairs are engaging in AI transformations within their organizations, and of course some of the some of the great ways that ZS is helping health plans leverage AI in this very very popular market now. So, Adam and Vinod, I'll I'll, I'll start with you. Um, you know, maybe Adam will, will will actually start with you, and then Vinod, you could probably build off the AI chat since you built those strategies. But Adam, to what extent have organizations in the payer industry expressed interests in integrating AI and and integrating this type of technology and advanced analytics into their everyday operations? Yeah, great, uh, great leading question, Connor. I think the answer is for years now, uh, <laughs> broadly, um, and I'm sure your audience doesn't uh, um, uh, doesn't need a lot of. Uh, um, uh, prepping for understanding how uh, advanced analytics and specifically AI have been important topics for the world, but specifically in healthcare. Healthcare, um, the wonderful thing about healthcare is there's tons of data to work with. And because there's tons of data to work with, um, analytics, advanced analytics techniques, AI have been part of the lexicon for a long time, for years. Um, we used to talk about AI as a shift from descriptive analytics. Right, describing the relationship between variables to prescriptive analytics, using the data to inform future decisions, and then predictive analytics or AI techniques to use and then to make decisions and then adapt those decisions based off of feedback loops, learning, things like that. Um, but the, we, we just passed the anniversary of the launch of ChatGBT. Um, and since the launch, the discussion has changed, uh, dramatically transformed. Now, AI, and specifically generative AI or Gen AI, is now one of the most significant topics in the world, um, including in healthcare. And, and to be clear, generative AI is just a subset of AI, right? Gen AI um, is the thing, though, that's transformed the way that companies are now talking about analytics, um, whether it is generative AI or next, next best action programs or attribution modeling. Um, AI is now embedded in every strategy related to, from a health plan perspective, member acquisition or retention strategies um, for health plans, or in reducing healthcare costs, improving health outcomes across all payers. Now, the role of the chief data and analytics officer in a healthcare organization has been elevated in a way that I've never, I've never seen before, um, and it's certainly exciting for folks like us at ZS who live and breathe at the intersection of healthcare and analytics. So it's a really, really exciting time to be in this world because of how much things have transformed over the last uh, um, over the last number of years, but specifically over the last year. Adam described this perfectly, uh, but just I, I'm going to reiterate what Adam has said, because it's often confused or it's often um, observed that people have um, seen chat GPT and they think AI is more um, generative, which definitely that's one of the major aspects of AI. But um, to Adam's point, it's beyond that. It's 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 used in analyzing the data and making predictions and even perform a variety of other intelligent tasks, just like humans. So that's what AI is. But often people think uh, of it as chat GPT, uh, which is generative AI. 
thank you so much, Vinod, because I there are so many diff- different types. And AI, this umbrella of AI and and where it's going to go, that's going to be another topic of discussion later on. But you know, now that we know that the interest and the interest is high throughout pretty much every sector, you know, how are payers engaging in AI transformations within their their own organizations and and Adam like I know it could depend on the size of the organization and where they are in their transformation but what opportunities are they really focused on yeah I think Connor to your point it does really depend on size and scale of the organization first often the use cases are very similar but maybe I'll start start by talking about the differences um, across payers because of their size and scale um, so for large some of the largest payers not large national plans like United, like CVS, like Cigna, um, they have very, very large analytics teams, thousands uh, of analytics folks. Um, you know, these organizations are very comfortable building and working with very large data sets, very large analytics teams um, in both the US and with offshore teams in India or nearshore teams. Um, they are very comfortable with transforming or generating data so that offshore teams can work with healthcare data. Um, whether that's through de-identification approaches, whether that's through simulations uh, of data and generating its own data, whether it's through clean rooms, other approaches. Um, When we work with some of these organizations, often what we're doing is we're providing some scale, staff augmentation types of approaches, um, if hiring's constrained, tools and assets that we've already built um, that we can then leverage to enhance their capabilities. What's also interesting is when we do a lot of work with more regional payers, smaller organizations, that they don't have the same size and scale. They don't have the same maturity of analytics teams. And so with those organizations, often what we're doing is we become a part of their analytics teams. Um, We become a part of their analytics capabilities. Um, But regardless of the scale of the organization, often the capabilities, as, as I mentioned, are what they're looking for is very similar. They're looking the looking for ways to leverage data and leveraging analytics to predict future outcomes. Um, from a healthcare perspective, those health the, those outcomes are health related often. Um, you know, looking for uh, patients whose A1C may be uncontrolled to regroup to reduce their progression of their diabetes. Um, looking to find care gap, renew, reduce inequities in breast cancer screening to improve health outcomes. Um, looking to improve um, their care management or their utilization management programs by predicting future issues and then intervening before issues happen, not after. Um, People talk for years about preventative measures for healthcare. Analytics helps to enable and truly transform approaches so that preventative just becomes part of the way of managing health as opposed to after somebody is diagnosed and um, has a disease, has poor outcomes, goes to the hospital, um, uh, and then becomes um, uh, a challenging situation for them to manage um, and for a pair to help them manage um, what becomes a much more trying and uh, um, both costly and from a healthcare, more importantly, from a health outcomes perspective, much worse. And so preventative measures is where a lot of the investment and analytics is it, investments in analytics are going um, to improve out, outcomes. Adam, you bring up a really, really good point about 
data. <laughs> and since AI does really well in analyzing a large amount of data, and that's why it can produce results so quickly, healthcare, ever-growing amount of vast data, uh, should be should be a perfect marriage for AI. So, Vinod, you know, I'm curious from your perspective of how what you're seeing, some specific ways health plans are are really leveraging AI. Absolutely, Connor. Uh, that's a very good question, and this is the question uh, in the minds of a lot of healthcare leaders, right? Who have been hearing about. Chat GPT and how revolutionary it is, and how things are changing um, as other industries are leveraging AI, and specifically for healthcare, how they want to leverage and tap into the capabilities of AI. So, um, drawing from my experience as a chief analytics officer at Ameri Healthcare, it is before, um, I was in this very shoes of people and executives asking questions about, hey, we are hearing about AI, how can we tap into that? And um, not just at AmeriHealth, right? I've worked at CBS, Aetna, Magellan. These are all healthcare payers um, that always wanted to adapt to the latest and greatest and, um, and to most often also not be left behind, not leveraging the technology or use some of these technologies as competitive advantages. But one of the challenges that I have seen right, around identifying the use cases is the technologists who are experts in AI would not have the business domain understanding. So even though there is a, big, a, a, a better solution, they exactly don't know where to apply this, in what context, in what scenarios would they want to apply. And likewise, um, this is also a problem on the business domain expertise side. Um, not knowing uh, the intricacies of how AI models work and how they can leverage uh, AI's capabilities. So ZS is um, rightfully in the right place, as Adam was saying, right? We play in the intersection of healthcare and analytics, and we have both expertise on AI and business domain expertise as well. And uh, with that uh, level of understanding, we have built quite a few use cases uh, in-house. And we have been uh, resonating um, very well with with the with the uh, payers that we have uh, uh, been working with. To answer your questions very specific, uh, specifically, I'm going to address this in uh, three broader domains of where um, payers operate. The major bread and butter, or the crux of operations within payer space, is around cost containment. Right, uh, that um, the primary purpose why payers exist is to improve quality of the member uh, member's care, and at the same time, also cut down on the cost. So I'm going to throw a stat, um, which is in, um, in the healthcare industry, or at least in the payer side, 15% of the members would cost 85% of your um, cost, uh, in, in the medical cost. So if we identify that exact 15%, the major healthcare problem is solved that the cost can be contained. But it's it's almost like a uh, needle in a haystack that you have to identify that exact 15 person that would be the high costing members go forward. And it's more uh, of a predictive model challenge. And this is one of the challenges that we have taken undertaken and have built good AI models, right? And as you were mentioning about uh, data, Connor, we have integrated a lot, vast amount of data 
into our models and have identified um, the right side set of metrics that attribute to identification of that 15% high costing members beforehand and, um, divert, and, and having intervention strategies to divert um, those kind of members and try to change the behavior of the members and, and try to reduce the cost. The predictive accuracy of some of the models are really uh, outstanding uh, to the compared older models, which are non-AI based. Um, the predictive accuracy that we say that a member is gonna have an adverse event of getting into an ER facility or um, having an adverse event uh, in terms of their disease condition, uh, these AI models are outstanding in terms of the predictive accuracy. So that's one use case, which is identification of the high-risk members. Um, again, uh, in the same theme of cost containment, um, UM, which is again, one of the major functions of payers, utilization management. Um, how do we make sure that we are approving or denying the right kind of service, depending on whether the service is deemed uh, appropriate or not? Um, of course, there are standards, there are minimum care guidelines and things like that to assure that the members are not getting denied um, on their services. Um, but we do have quite a, uh, a bit of models, uh, quite a few models that we have built around this that identifies whether a service is deemed appropriate again, based on a vast amount of data we to intake from the providers and their provider behavior patterns to the member behavior patterns, to member demographic conditions, socioeconomic conditions, all of that considered, we have built models that identifies whether a particular services um, need to be uh, approved or not, or whether it's deemed appropriate or not. Um, again, these are two major areas around cost containment. There's also care management, right, where uh, we have models to um, have personalized interactions with the members, right? Uh, to have better uh, outcomes of a member's care plan uh, and care management. And we do have models that um, identify uh, appropriate members uh, to close the gaps in services, right? If there are any preventive care services that we want the members to be taking, who are the members that have higher likelihood or higher propensity of responding back in a positive way. Like, um, and these are all in the themes or in the vein of cost containment. There's also fraud, waste, and abuse, right? Where um, we've, we've probably heard about uh, the opioid abuse uh, and opioid drugs as, as, a, as a big scenario where uh, fraud, waste, and abuse was uh, majorly prevalent. So we do have models that can exactly identify. Again, this is a needle in haystack kind of a problem with millions of claims coming in into the payer space. How do you know which claim is fraudulent, which claim is not, right? Um, and, and again, this is one area where AI is uh, outstanding um, in terms of the results that it's producing to identify that needle in haystack. So I can go on and on um, in terms of the use cases. Um, this is the holy grail, especially with AI. Um, um, opening doors for uh, so many challenges that healthcare has, uh, but but ZS is rightly positioned in uh, exactly with the expertise that we have from AI and also the business domain expertise that we are able to create so many use cases. Well, thanks, Vinod. I I think that's great. It's important to have all these use cases, but and I 
I mean, we could probably have a whole full day discussion on um, on the use cases, but I think it's important because this is what our member, this is what members are looking for, and in terms of solutions, I want to bring Anoop into it too because you know Anoop, you're focused on patient data and analytics and developing these solutions and. I want to, in terms of use cases, we should also talk about the value, the real value of if you're going to invest in AI. So, you know, what what factors should payers consider when prioritizing which AI use cases to focus on? And Anoop, how are they extracting the most value from their AI investments? There are so many use cases out there. And when I hear Vinod articulately articulating those, that's when the technology geek in me gets really excited. <laughs> um, and also there's sort of limitless opportunities to realize value, right? Um, um, I think use cases for AI, um, you know, I usually evaluate them on three dimensions uh, when I talk about sort of realizing value and prioritizing among the many things that you could do. Um, the first is quantifiable impact, right? Um, can we have a big impact by solving a particular problem using AI? How consequential will the improvements be from this solution when we talk about organizational efficiency or top line or bottom line or member or patient experience altogether? So can we really uh, accurately quantify what that impact would be? Um, the second dimension is cost. You know, how capital intensive will the, will the implementation or the research and experimentation associated with the solution would be right there's uh, there's limited capital that we can we can put behind these use cases so it's really important to sort of uh, quantify what the cost would be and and have that on your roadmap um, and then finally scalability right how can we really scale the impact of a solution across the organization um, you know, can we use the capital that we're investing for a particular AI capability and then have that activate several use cases across the organization? Um, the scale of for complexity and cost will certainly be based on individual organizations and their current maturity of their AI capabilities, but the evaluation framework um, nonetheless sustains, right, across, across all levels of maturity. You know, for, um, I'm curious, Anoop, from your perspective, impact and cost tend to be fairly easy, not easy, but mm. easier to quantify scalability and organization's capabilities around scalability is, is trickier. Um, what do you find is some of the easier use cases to scale? What are some of the really tricky ones to scale where organizations that you work with have really struggled? Yeah, great question, Adam. So Scalability really depends on several factors, right? There's the data strategy and management of data products that will feed into uh, the AI capability itself, the supporting technology infrastructure, uh, the regulatory compliance implications of a particular use case. And finally, the most important one for me is really uh, the last mile integration of the AI solution. So those are you know several factors and uh, several lenses and perspectives you can put on use cases, right? And uh, and several of the use cases that we know that was talking about earlier are great candidates, right? Payment integrity, fraud, waste, and abuse, um, designing uh, solutions for personalization of patient engagement. Uh, those are those are solutions that could be scaled and would have a huge impact across the organization. I would like to probably add one more aspect in addition to what um, Anup was um, talking as the factors, right? Impact, cost, scalability. Um, I'll also put ethics uh, or ethical 
considerations uh, around AI implementation as well. And I know uh, this is probably a, a major topic in the tech industry as well uh, around ethical AI and ethical uh, aspects of, of, of uh, AI. And especially it, it applies to healthcare um, a little more strongly uh, when, when it considered, when you consider the patient's privacy and security um, as, as one of the major factors. And also, I mean, uh, the standard uh, other uh, aspects of ethical AI around transparency and biases that can be uh, integrated into AI models and algorithms. Um, so definitely uh, consideration of ethics is also one other factor that I would add to what Anup mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, this is a huge priority for us as a firm, as it is for our clients. Uh, especially with with uh, with all the conversations around generative AI, um, we have actually been working with the CMU for a couple of years now to develop a trustworthy AI framework um, that could actually be integrated within the model ops capabilities, uh, so that it's uh, not just a, a, a topic of governance, but actually uh, there's sort of metrics that can be evaluated across all of the AI capabilities and models being developed. Anub, I actually have a question for you too. I think, I, I think because it's it's safe to say that, or all these pairs are not only considering using AI, but they are now well on their way, uh, well on their journey uh, to implementation. So, how should health plans really think about introducing AI? and advance analytics to enhance their operation? And if and if they are not on this journey yet, where should they start? Yeah, you're absolutely right, Connor. Most health plans are at some stage of this transformation journey. Um, it's not just advanced mature organizations that need to do this. AI strategy is needed for every level and for every organization, uh, no matter what maturity level they're at. Um, I think th there's five things that come to mind. Um, the the first one is a clear definition of objectives. Um, you know, what are we really trying to achieve through an AI transformation program? Again, uh, the objectives could be membership growth, it could be experience, retention, cost of care, and so on and so forth. Right? Uh, but a clear articulation of the charter and objectives is essential. Um, the second is to have a data strategy that is well aligned with your AI strategy. Um, you know, thinking through proactively, you know, around what data pieces and products need to come together and need to be integrated to really bring these use cases to life, to really have a foundational capability in place on which AI experimentation and innovation can be done. Um, the third is talent strategy. Um, so whether it's talent acquisition or, or building a network of partners that you can rely on and collaborate with for innovation is, is critical. Um, so clear sort of strategy around sort of partner vendor network uh, or even sort of partnering with product companies is really helpful in, in embarking on this journey. Um, the fourth one is the overall technology strategy or as I like to call it the AI engineering strategy. Um, so having a clear sort of cloud infrastructure in place that's robust and scalable that can uh, scale on demand uh, as the experimentation or AI experimentation and innovation sort of changes directions based on what we learn, um, as well as visibility into compute costs that, that are associated with it. Um, that would go a long way in truly enabling and uh, realizing value from AI investments. Um, and then finally, Connor, I, I'd say the mindset of continuous improvement. 
uh, where there's a willingness to fail and, and learn from failing and then being able to quickly sort of scale the use cases at work is, is critical. I do want to add to this conversation on scalability because I think when you're talking about value, I think it's definitely important to to understand where where your investments are going. And since AI is still relatively new to some organizations, um, what can payers do to scale their AI initiatives and realize value from their investments? And I am actually interested in what uh, all of you have to say about this, but Anoop, We'll start with you, and then we'll we'll go Adam, and and then you, Vinod. Yeah, well, there's, there's several things I could talk about, Connor, but I think I'll, I'll maybe talk about the one capability that I feel is central to this, and that's model ops. Right, uh, model ops is a capability central to scaling AI investments, um, but because of multiple reasons. So, first of all, it will allow your data science teams to focus on innovation and experimentation without having uh, to deal with the overhead of managing AI applications or, or running models from time to time. Um, the second one uh, is, is, is the concept of model monitoring, right? That, that's central to model operations. So being able to monitor models that have been developed in-house to check if there's any biases that are creeping in um, and to allow data science teams to proactively act on those biases. And, uh, and take an action on the actual last mile integration. Um, you know that's that's based on these models. Again, the, our conversation around trustworthy AI is really important, and then the integration of those frameworks within model operations. Um, and then finally, you know, checks and balances when it comes to the cost of innovation. Um, and lastly, I would say, uh, especially relevant in today's times, is security and privacy of data. Um, all of those really come together um, to to scale AI investments. I think the, uh, the the privacy of data, as, as you described rightly so, Anoop, is that it's critical to maintain the privacy of, of some of the most sensitive data, which is healthcare data, um, at an individual member level. Um, that's critical to maintain. But in terms of, Connor, back to your question around realizing value, it's important that maintaining the privacy of data becomes an, a, a lens of which to consider when implementing as opposed to the driver of the decision. The driver of the decision needs to be better health outcomes, right? We're trying to achieve better health outcomes, whether that's through uh, uh, improved healthcare, uh, re reduce costs to invest in other innovation, um, to make sure that we are delivering the greatest benefit to the greatest population. Um, that's the objective. That's what we're, our, our objective function is. Um, maintaining the privacy of that data becomes a really important lens to consider in implementing any kind of program, um, in looking at the data, integrating the data to find approaches to identify future issues. Um, that's an important lens, but it's a lens and not the driving force behind the decisions. We've seen lots of organizations where pr maintaining privacy of data stops them from going down this path even though it may be in the best interest of their membership, of an individual, of trying to identify somebody who's at risk of, of disease progression, um, uh, not likely to have the right breast cancer screening at the right time. Um, that's more important than just maintaining the privacy of the data, but we need to have that maintaining privacy of the data lens in implement, implementing any program. 
I'll, I'll just add to um, what Adam and Anup said. Um, for me, even acquisition of newer data, right, is, is going to be a crucial thing, go forward. One of the salient things about AI is identifying the relationship, intricate relationships that you never thought that there were those relationships existing. Um, there is there, there is some level of correlation about um, census data or climate data somehow also having an impact on members' health conditions, right? Those are the kind of things that we are starting to see that beyond healthcare, beyond the claims and eligibility and membership data that we always looked into, there are other data sets that we'll be able to better predict. For example, SDOH, right? Member social determinants of health, right? Uh, have a wider, bigger impact on health. So acquiring that level of data is gonna be a, a, a huge thing that uh, payers would want to invest into. I jokingly say, I know Bitcoin is referred as uh, the digital gold. But for me, the data itself is, is the digital gold of the next century that once you have that, you'll be able to mine the data and mine that information to get a lot more intricate relationships that you never thought would uh, have existed before. Maybe I can bring use an example and bring it to life a little, a little bit because something that's top of mind for everybody these days is uh, Ozempic. Uh, I'm sure everybody's heard of, of, of Ozempic everywhere. Um, and specifically Wagovi, which is another GLP-1, um, similar molecule, but different data related to Wagovi, which is recently Wagovi has had weight loss data, but also that weight loss data is tied to better cardiovascular outcomes. From a payer perspective, this is a game changer. Um, from a market perspective, this is a game changer, right? We've never had a drug that is tied to weight loss and better cardiovascular um, and better health outcomes. And so that puts pressure and focus on a payer to either pay for this or not pay for this, uh, which could be a multi-billion dollar decision. Um, this is a, potentially to be a, a game changer in, in, in the market, tying a weight loss drug to cardiovascular outcome. Now, from an analytics perspective, there's lots of different cohorts of people that would benefit from, from Wogobi or Zempic. Um, these could be um, obese patients with a BMI over 30. Um, it could be folks who are looking to use Ozempic or Wagovi um, for cosmetic purposes. Um, there's lots of different GLP-1s. People could be interested in using one GLP-1 versus another GLP-1. They could be interested in, in using other weight loss drugs that are potentially less expensive than a GLP-1 um, and realize similar benefits, even though there may not be clinical data associated with the same thing. So these are all the things that a payer needs to think about in designing policy around what do they reimburse, how do they reimburse it, to, to what extent. Um, and data can now be used to help predict which patients are going to benefit from will go be the most, which patients are likely to use it for other purposes, cosmetic potentially being one of those purposes. Um, and that can help to design policy to make sure that you're paying for the right patient at the right time in advance of um, when, they're, when they're likely to use the drug. And so this is a, a, just a really good example of leveraging data analytics for the good of society, for the good of improving health outcomes, and to help manage costs at a, at a, large, um, at a large scale for what could be 
a fairly big risk of um, bankrupting um, potential payers. Yeah, that's a great point, Adam. So, and thanks to all three of you for for going through that. It's uh, it's important, and and I know ZS is is a is a is a leader in this space because of how ZS is implementing data driven results and with a results focused approach. That's going to drive you into this next. Who knows where AI is going? But I think that's where I want to sort of end the podcast with one last question and and kind of pass it around all to all three of you again but since there's so many routes to go how can listeners who are you know are interested and specifically in the Paris space learn more about how to transform their their organization using data and AI and advanced analytics and maybe some ways that ZS could help and maybe a little fun little thing to share would be to um, kind of get your thoughts on where you see this technology going in the future. Um, you know, we, we were talking earlier about the anniversary of ChatGPT and where that's kind of taken everybody. But where do you see this going in the future five years from now? Ten years could be a little – it's a little too far in the distance we're talking about the flying cars that will eventually come. But – you know where where do you see this technology going, Adam? We could uh, we could start with you. Yeah, it's a uh, um, it's a real it's a fun question um, for those of us who like to think about where the uh, where the future is heading. Um, I mean, I think the starting point is scalability, right? Is not just having fun use cases that you can uh, um, that you can um, play around with and finding uh, finding two or three patients that uh, um, that may be. Um, susceptible to better health outcomes, but looking at an entire plan's membership. Um, I think that's really important as you're thinking about the near term. But I think as you're thinking about the, the long-term future, um, you know, there are plans right now that are looking at um, uh, full sequencing, a genome sequencing for their entire membership and using that data to inform treatment choices um, for anybody in their plan Depending on what their um, what what their genome um, uh, profile looks like, um, and there's lots of data these days. If you just mine the New England Journal of Medicine for every trial that's ever been um, written, you can start to match up treatment and therapies and medical interventions tied to um, genetic profiles. And so, I think that's a really exciting future um, state where everybody's um, treatment is going to be personalized based off of their genetic profile. That's awesome. Thanks, Adam. Vinod, what about, what about you? Where do you, where do you, uh, where do you see the future going? Yeah. Um, I'm going to back my answer with a couple of stats that I've read recently about ChatGPT, which I know everyone's talking about it. So let me use that as an example too. So the first version of ChatGPT to the next, to the current version, it has improved the responsiveness and also efficacy of the responses um, x fold, right? Within a year's span of time. Um, the first version was um, already smarter than a, a human being in terms of the intelligence scale. They have measured, there are some stats which um, I can gather and um, let you know what they are. But um, the, the point here is 
this AI industry as a whole, it's moving at lightning pace, right? If you have seen other advancements, whether it be internet or um, or, or um, the advanced data uh, models, right, that have been built before by Google's of the world. If you compare those with ChatGPT, ChatGPT or AI itself, right, it's going at a lightning pace. Of course, uh, we at CS are keeping an ear and eye on all of those, and we are also advancing ourselves in terms of the model builds that we are uh, building. But definitely, this is here to stay, and we see a lot of good use cases. Um, so, in the, in the in the future state, right? If, if people are interested to know what specific healthcare use cases that um, that that they can tap into leveraging AI, yeah, we have our uh, ZS. Uh, uh, web page that we we keep updating with what are the latest use cases that we have built or latest models that we have built. The latest among the ones that we have built is uh, around causal AI, right? Identifying the cause and effect of what's happening um, for for a specific situation or scenario that you want to know. Um, so things like that, we are always keeping our our, our ZS portal updated with uh, better use cases. So what we would want uh, for the users to tap into that as a good uh, um, read uh, for them to know what's happening in the healthcare space around the AI. Absolutely. Certainly going at lightning speed, Vinod. And Anoop, what are, you, what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, well first thing, Connor, uh, we know that the stats guy within this group, I'm not. I'm more the fun guy. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I, I, I guess <laughs> my, my answer, and I'll go back to sort of the possibilities being limitless. Um, 10, 15 years down the line, think about all of the new treatments we could have discovered using AI. Think about all of the patients who really don't know if they're going to find a treatment, uh, actually having a treatment at that point of time. Um, think about personalized care management. Uh, think about potentially designing digital care models for patients and members. Think about sort of ex how the experience of individual members could be transformed in reality, right? Given uh, the diverse sort of backgrounds that they come with uh, and, and not having to conform to some stringent or uh, inflexible model of care that's available today, but really being able to pick their own path forward. Um, so like I said, the, the possibilities are endless. I think uh, the key is, is being able to adopt the technology, uh, put in the right investments now, uh, and we are all part of the journey here. The technology itself is not going to solve these problems. It's, it's folks like us and our clients who come together and, and adopt and create solutions leveraging these technologies. Right. I think that's a great point, too. That's a, the technology is there to help, and we're here to make it happen. So I just want to take the time out right now to thank our listeners, uh, Millennium members and partners alike, uh, who have stuck with us uh, through not only COVID, but through f five years of, of the Millennium Live podcast as we reach 250 episodes in 2024. And I know those in the Paris space who are listening to this episode right now maybe have searched it through AI, who knows. But if you are interested in all the, the topics that we're discussing, I know that ZS regularly publishes thought leadership pieces on their website at zs.com where you can learn more about the full suite of solutions for health plans as well as get in touch with their team and how they can curate solutions to help support your organization on its AI transformation journey. We also do have a transformation AI assembly healthcare and 
Payer's Transformation Assembly in April 2024. That's at the JW Marriott, April 3rd and 4th. I want to thank our guests today. It was a great conversation. Adam Siskin, Anup Tripathi, and Vinod Swarma, thank you so much for just taking the time out to to talk healthcare and AI and all the great possibilities. Uh, we should do a part two to this later in the year to see where where we're at in, in the healthcare payer space, but also to see all the great work that ZS is doing. I'm looking forward to hearing about the future as well. So thanks, guys. Thanks, Connor. Great discussion. Yeah, great discussion, Connor. Thank you.